So good morning, everyone. Just uh, check that you can hear me clearly. Yeah, sound is good. Great. So this morning, I want to explore a little bit the practice of equanimity. Uh, spoke about it last night or yesterday afternoon. Amazing how strong the habits are. <laughs> Usually give the talks in the evening, then we keep referring to them as happening in the evenings, even though they've been happening in the afternoon for a week. Gotta love the mind. Um, yeah, so the reflections on equanimity yesterday and then... Um, just a little bit more about it in relationship to practicing, you know, practicing equanimity. Um, and just a reminder you know, of some of the ways that we can think about equanimity yeah. that can be um, helpful for us. Already the way we um, verbalize something through words and thoughts, that's already a practice. Yeah. It already shapes it in a certain way. So I shared with you yesterday my two favorite ways of um, of thinking, speaking, um, understanding equanimity. So one is unshakable tenderness, and uh, the other is uh, to be equally close to all things. To be equally close to all things, and. Hopefully what we can feel with these is um, that in both of them there's a responsiveness. A responsiveness that is also rooted in wisdom. In both of them there's that sense of relationship uh, and of intimacy with our experience. And so we can... um, Reflect on equanimity as, um, you know, a quality, a way of being and relating that really supports us uh, not to get entangled, not to get sucked in to identification, into reactivity, into demand, and also not to get overwhelmed, um, which is a big thing for most of us. <laughs> We're getting overwhelmed, probably for all of us in, in different ways. So equanimity is something that offers for us perspective and long view, big view, big picture view. Also steadiness and balance. And then these possibilities of appropriate response. So I can't remember if I mentioned this yesterday, but you know, equanimity appears in the Brahma Viharas. It's one of these four um, sisters, these four uh, really liberating, freeing ways of relating of the heart and mind. Um, but it's also it appears a lot in the teachings, yeah, in kind of different uh, forms or different nuances. Yeah. So when we talk about practicing equanimity, developing equanimity. Um, we can uh, see it as, um, you know, just that steadiness that we develop, as I said yesterday, in any mindfulness practice, just that coming back to um, 
the object that we've uh, chosen yeah, to attend to, the object in our attention. That Just that coming back is a cultivation of equanimity. There's also other ways to cultivate it. Um, uh, for example, um, a sense of a vast awareness, yeah? a very, very large awareness. So on this retreat, we've mostly been expanding um, maybe to the whole body or a little bit larger than the body, but we can expand even more, have this sense of awareness being very vast. Yeah? Some teachers call this big mind um, meditation. Um, and very much uh, the kind of practice we were doing yesterday, uh, the knowing, yeah, resting in the knowing of the coming and going of, of events, the coming and going of experience, while lessening the demand. Yeah? And this is again where metta and equanimity kind of meet. Yeah? So you can have a metta attitude towards all of experience, yeah, really wide, and that kind of flows into equanimity. Yeah? That sense of just in welcoming, in allowing, uh, letting things come, letting them be, yeah, letting them go in their time. I think that's what Nathan did last night. <laughs> At least that's what kind of we were planning, but sometimes we go off script. So if he didn't, apologies. Um, there, is, there is that way of practicing, um, which, we can, which we can practice, and that also really nourishes, develops, cultivates um, Equanimidian, as I was saying yesterday, through this lessening of demand, yes, understanding equanimity as the absence or the lessening of the demand for me. Yeah. The lessening of the tanha. Yeah. And so this we can we can see that there would be different ways of doing that. In the context of the Brahma Viharas, um the formal practice of equanimity follows the same kind of form as uh, the other three. So it uses uh, phrases, yeah, and it uses beings. But um, since we've, throughout this retreat, only offered that as one option, <laughs> yeah, then obviously here too we're going to offer it as an option, but we know there's other ways yeah, that we can cultivate. And as I said, we did that last night already, and... Um, this morning we'll kind of do a little bit of a, of a combination. At least that's the plan. So something that uh, I just wanna I just wanna um, highlight, um, and hopefully I'll be able to 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 say this clearly enough in a way that doesn't confuse you. If it's confusing, just let it go. It's not that important. It's just interesting, <laughs> at least for me. Um, when we're practicing any of the Brahma Viharas, yeah, and we're using the kind of traditional uh, form with the phrases, yeah, we are um, we can we can sometimes see it as we're doing two things at the same time. Yeah. So we are primarily working with our own intention and way of relating. Yeah, whether that's metta, compassion, mudita, um, equanimity. But we're doing that through wishing something for somebody else. Yeah. So we might be wishing them to be happy. Yeah. So wishing a certain state for them. We might be 
uh, wishing the actual quality <laughs> that we are cultivating for them. Yeah. We could see that in the Mudita practice yesterday, right? May you learn to appreciate the joy you experience. It's kind of we're wishing for you to be joyful, yeah? And we're opening to your joy, but we're actually also wishing for you to have more Mudita. Yeah? So we can start to, to see that um, in, the, uh, in the traditional metaphrases, the kind of the, the really traditional ones, the ones that we use are already kind of a modern version. Um, one of them is... Um, May you be free from enmity. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, may you be free from enmity. Yeah, and we can see it goes there, like it points to something really deep. Yeah, may you be free from enmity. Is may you be free from enmity within you? Yeah, which is wishing for someone a real metaphor abiding. Yeah, may you not know enmity, or may enmity not be a, a frequent guest in your heart and mind. Um, but we're also wishing you to be free from enmity, yeah, from others, so safety. Yeah? And so as it kind of got modernized, that phrase beca- became, may you be safe, yeah? which is kind of what we often use. That's like the modern language. Uh, but in the Pali, it's like, may you be free from enmity. Yeah? Such a beautiful... So I just, I, I kind of wanted to bring all of this because it, it kind of... Sh- I love this kind of nuance, you know, and this understanding. As we're practicing, um, we're kind of uh, wishing something for the other, yeah? It's that they're safe, that they're well, that they're happy, yeah? That they're free from suffering. Uh, and we're also cultivating our own intention, yeah, of metta. Yeah? But we're also wishing for them, yeah, or we can, yeah, to cultivate those qualities. And this is also a way that we can say we're expanding, yeah? The, the range, yeah, like we're deepening, we're going into more nuance, more subtle uh, resolutions of the, of the, um, of, of the practice. And this really, um, with, with equanimity, this really kind of becomes quite obvious, yeah, uh, and so that's kind of part of why I wanted to say that, because it can be helpful to know there's kind of slightly two We've got a choice, kind of, of where where we lean into, yeah. Or we could do both, of course. But just having that sense, that clarity of intention um, of of what we're doing, so we can wish for another to have equanimity, yeah. And as we're doing that, we're we're cultivating equanimity in ourselves. So a phrase such as um, "May you be undisturbed by the coming and going, comings and goings of events," yeah. That's wishing for someone to have equanimity, and, and that's also cultivating um, equanimity in ourselves. May, may you or may I find ease in the midst of it all. You know, that's another phrase that has that um, flavour. So we can, can we can wish for the other to have equanimity. We can um, wish for ourselves to have equanimity. You know, may I be undisturbed by the comings and goings of events. May I find ease in the midst of it all. Um, may I find steadiness within the joys and, st- and sorrows of life. These are all variations on the same uh, thing. Um, but we can also uh, also have the option to align more with an intention that directly cultivates equanimity in our own heart and mind in relationship to things that are seemingly external to us. Yeah. 
And so the big uh, example of that is, you know, someone that we care about that is suffering. Yeah. And often, you know, or for most of us, most of the time, this was this will cause a lot of suffering, right? As someone that we care about in their suffering, and that causes a lot of suffering for us. Um, and sometimes, yeah, that suffering then that we are experiencing in relationship to someone else's suffering then obscures wisdom. Yeah, it obscures wisdom. And so um, when we wish to cultivate the equanimity here, it's in the service of wisdom and clear seeing. And so the wish to cultivate equanimity or the kind of practice of cultivating equanimity would be to have the steadiness and not to get overwhelmed by the suffering. Remember, we're not getting disconnected. Not to get overwhelmed um, so that... um, uh, so that we can attend skillfully, so that we can be there for someone else, actually, in a in a helpful way and for ourselves. And I think often, um, you know, examples of this would be, um, you know, I don't know why these examples always come, but for me, they maybe for me they're the easiest, um, and that's why I bring them. You know, when we look at someone who's younger than us. And it may be, like I, I said, for me often it's my nieces and nephews or, you know, a younger friend. or And they're going through something, yeah, they're suffering around something, yeah. And there's a, that the, because they're suffering, we suffer and then we want that suffering to go away. <laughs> so we often just want to do something, yeah, to fix and solve, yeah. And um, for one thing, so a lot of the time there's nothing we can do, yeah actively to solve the situation yeah i mean the other end of it i'm saying that the other end is of course you know just suddenly thinking of my father who's 89 years old (laughs) and there's a lot of suffering that comes with that yeah that's the other side and again it can't take away the 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 suffering that comes with a body that's getting old and a mind that's getting um tired (laughs) yeah yeah can't take away those conditions, yeah? but we can see that tendency in us to, because of the painfulness, because of the care, we get into this mode of, of activity which then can bring reactivity. And so we're not giving up on doing something, but we want to have the equanimity so that the wisdom and the clear seeing uh, can have a chance yeah, to, to act um, through us. Um, so if I go back to, to these examples... Um, how can we support someone, yeah, to feel loved, yeah? Say, you know, when when dementia is starting, yeah? How can we support them to feel loved, yeah? Rather than fighting to try and stop the dementia, yeah? That's kind of one one example that we could we could say. Um, how can we support someone to, you know, deal with a a broken heart, <laughs> or you know, difficulty um, choosing <laughs> what to do next with their lives. You know, I'm thinking about obviously the, the maybe people who are at a young, at an earlier stage in their life. Yeah, or you know, being bullied at school, or you know, 
having issues with their friends, or you know, there's so many things that we can think of. You know, how can we support someone there? Yeah, maybe we can start to see the equanimity can help us yeah, to have the steadiness, have the ground, not to get overwhelmed, yeah, and again, not disconnected, but having enough space that we can um, be there for someone. And at the end of the day, so much of the time, that's the most precious thing that we can offer, yeah, is being there uh, for someone, with someone. Yeah, present. So the wisdom really comes here as a support to equanimity practice and as a, a result of it, you know, aligning um, with the wisdom that understands that the human condition includes yeah, times of difficulty, challenge, yeah, suffering. You know, as I said, the body may get injured, may get ill, may get older the mind, the circumstances around us. So we understand that there is that aspect and in the human condition, we also understand that it comes together, the particular manifestations of it come together, um, you know, due to countless causes and conditions and many of them we cannot control. Yeah? Many of them we cannot control. And that can be really hard, particularly if we're witnessing that happening to someone else. It can be really, really hard. And yet this is something we can develop, the capacity to stay steady. And again, here we see something I touched on, equanimity and compassion, (laughs) very closely interlinked. Capacity to stay steady with that, yeah. Not rushing into modes of reactivity, <coughs> including fixing and solving, yeah. But being able to stay that with care, with compassion, with tenderness, yeah. And with also uh, giving space uh, to the other. So um, this is where language gets really tricky. <laughs> Using phrases can be quite hard. <laughs> but I'm gonna. Um, just going to offer some, yeah. And I think these these phrases are, um, yeah, they really have the sense of you know when someone is maybe even making choices that we might think are not very wise, yeah, or are leading to their suffering. And yet there's not much we can do about that. Yeah. So um, I care for you, but I cannot control your circumstances or your choices. Yeah. Oh, I care for you, but I cannot keep you from suffering. Yeah, this one, this one is one that I really work with a lot. Yeah, I care for you, but I cannot keep you from suffering. I cannot protect you. Yeah, from suffering. Yeah, so kind of these are two uh, possibilities. I wish you happiness. Yeah, I want you to be happy. I deeply want your happiness, but I cannot create it for you. Yeah. I cannot make it happen for you. Yeah. And so we kind of maybe are getting the sense of this tenderness of equanimity. Yeah, sometimes it's yeah, it's painful. Yeah. It can it hurts. Yeah. But it's also very again the wisdom. It's it's really yeah, meeting 
this seeming edge, yeah? Yeah, what we want to do, that metta and compassion, the compassion, that active component, wanting to alleviate the suffering, and then the places where we actually need to pause, yeah? and say, ah, you know, the alleviation of suffering may not be through taking it away. That may not be possible. Yeah? But what else is possible? So it opens up possibilities. Yeah. Mm. So this before to be present with another, yeah, to be present with another, uh, to be there for them, yeah, without taking on the responsibility <laughs> completely, yeah, yeah, and without taking on the role of the fixer or the solver. And interestingly enough, this can be really counterintuitive as we develop, as we increase. Um, our capacity to respond, yeah. Uh, sorry, our, our equanimity, our capacity to respond also grows, yeah, because we're actually freeing up uh, space and we're freeing up energy, yeah. We're freeing up resources and we have more wisdom, we have more of that perspective, we have more of that big picture seeing, yeah. So it supports um, a larger perspective, uh, and keeps uh, keeps our energy free and available. Maybe I'll just give a little example of this. It's not so little. <laughs> um, just just popped into my head, and then we'll practice. Um, yeah. So this this was something um, that happened with one of my nieces. Um, must have been three or four years ago. Um, so she lives in Israel. And she's the eldest of her siblings. Um, and she was getting to the age where in Israel, when you're 18, uh, you need to do your military service. Um, and the process begins a couple of years before uh, the whole process of um, going to interviews and assessments and kind of starting to track that pathway of where you will do your military service and all of that. So there's a lot of activity around it and quite a lot of pressure and um, my niece, so she must have been about 16, um, she was quite clear fairly early on in this process that she did not want to do uh, military service um, and that she instead wanted to go and do a volunteer, yeah, uh, do voluntary service and social projects. Uh, which is not uh, an option <laughs> in the system. Yeah, that would have been a rogue option. Yeah, with me not going to the to do the military service and then um, choosing herself to dedicate those uh, two years. She's ended up doing three. She's just coming to the end of it. I'm telling you the good news at the end. <laughs> dedicating that same time um, to to doing uh, you know social voluntary service work and uh, so she was fairly clear about this in herself um, but her parents uh, were very much caught up in the social conditioning of the Israeli society where going to do military service is your duty yeah it's your duty it's part of your responsibility you need to do it everyone does it you know we hated it 
but we did it. You have to do it, even if you hate it. Um, and it was a very kind of very difficult process between them. Yeah, very, very difficult because, of course, for her, 16, 17, uh, doing this without her parents' support, and it's a difficult process because you're going against the system. There isn't a conscientious objector route. You, you have to actually go through a very difficult process in order to, to, to not do it. Um, and for them, also very difficult. Yeah, so difficult for the whole family. Um, and I was there with kind of my niece, talking to her, supporting her. Uh, you know, she knew my views, <laughs> uh, obviously, on the issue. And so, um, and also we're very close. So we're talking about it and supporting. And, and my main support was that she should do what feels right for her. Yeah? Not you should do this or that, but you should do the right thing for you. This is your life. This is your conscience. This is your integrity. Um, and so many conversations with me, also both of her grandmothers were very supportive of her. She had support, um, but the issue with kind of how to, how to work with the parents. And so a lot of equanimity. And then it came to a, I'm getting to the, <laughs> getting to the point of the story, sorry. Wasn't a planned example. Um, was that, you know, it was getting, the clock is also ticking because the process needs to start um, early enough. And uh, so I was in Israel and um, dinner with a family. And, okay, we're now going to sit and talk about it. Yeah, we're now going to sit and talk about it. And maybe just to say, here's the, here's the practice of equanimity, because, of course, this is very triggering for me. Yeah, one is because she's a, a child and they're grown-ups <laughs> and they're not listening to her. And uh, the other is, you know, because, again, my, my sense of, you know, my own experience and what I would have chosen to do if I was making that choice now. And, and all of that is there. So there's a lot of triggering um, there. But staying uh, really equanimous and witnessing. Yeah? So I was mostly witnessing, listening to the conversation, listening to the conversation. And seeing how it was ping-ponging across the table. You know this ping-pong when people are just saying things back and forth, but that it's not registering. Yeah? It's not going in. Yeah, everyone's just saying their view is not going in. And at one point, yeah, so there's the equanimity, listening, 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 clarity, 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 yeah, space, space, space. And one point the clarity came, this is the moment, yeah, stop now. And I just said to them, stop, yeah, stop, yeah. And I turned to my brother, who, you know, we're very close, and I said to him, please listen to what your daughter is saying. Yeah. That's that's what I said to him and I said it a few times. I said, Please just just drop your views. Just listen to what she's saying to you. Yeah. And then he said, Okay, I'm gonna listen. And he turned to her and he asked her to say it again. Yeah. And she said it again and she said, I know that going to do my military to do military service would be harmful for me. I know it's not the use, the right use of the gifts I have to give. I know that um, I can use these gifts so much better in these places. And she already knew what what she wanted to do, where she wanted to go. I'm not 
shirking my duty. I actually want to do my duty to my society, but I want to do it in a way that uses my gifts and doesn't harm me. Yeah? Yeah. And that was what it took. <laughs> yeah. It was just that right moment to pause. Yeah. And that right moment for him to be able to listen. Yeah. And for her to be able to speak knowing that she was listened to. Yeah. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. And after that, my brother, and then because of that also his wife, but especially him, were fully supportive of her. And she did what she needed to do. Yeah, It's a long process, it's a difficult process, but they were there with her the whole way. Yeah, The whole way, physically and emotionally. Yeah. And she did it. And as I said, now she's finishing the end of this month, uh, three years of service in two different places, you know, uh, wonderful work that has been an offering to the world and an offering to her uh, own growth and maturity and an alignment. And so this is a lot of it is, you know, the story is really about how wonderful my niece is, sorry <laughs> about that, but hopefully we can also see um, just the sense of, of the power of equanimity to actually respond, to be able to be there, yeah, not get caught up, not get into the argument in that case, yeah, which I had done in the past, yeah, not to add my voice to the argument, but actually be there, hold the space, hold the space, find the right moment, yeah, to pause and to allow them things to take uh, the direction. And this takes a lot of practice, takes a lot of skill, it takes a lot of luck. <laughs> <laughs> because there's no guarantee that that will happen, right? It's conditioned by everything else. There's no guarantee that that moment will arise. Yeah? And so that's also where equanimity comes in. We need to know that sometimes, you know, and this could have gone a different way, yeah? She may have had to go through something that would have been a lot more difficult for her, yeah? And there's no, there's no guarantee that I would be able to change that for her, yeah? But I could be there for her. And that's kind of what we need uh, to, to always remember. There's always that possibility. Yeah? So equanimity practice supports us to have a big perspective, a large perspective, and also keeps our energy free and available yeah? to respond appropriately when that opportunity opens yeah? in whatever way um, is possible. Yeah, okay. So that's the, that's kind of hopefully giving us a sense. And, and like I was saying, we're going to practice together now. Uh, but remember, there's different ways of practicing this. Yeah. So there's the formal practice as we'll be doing now. Um, and there's kind of the traditional formal practice and there's other ways of practicing with just with that vastness of awareness, just with that clarity of coming back to, um, to an object in attention, you know, letting go, letting go of other things. You know? And as we do that, we're releasing the demand and we're um, softening those habits of reactivity, of push and pull uh, on experience. So let's have some time for practice now and if you need to uh, stretch the body in any way before we settle into the practice then please do.
And when you're ready, settling into settling into the posture, checking in with the body. To see if there's anything we need to do or can do so that body's more stable, more steady, more grounded. is helpful to bring the awareness more deeply into the body, have a sense of gathering and grounding of awareness in the body. Whatever way is helpful for you. you might be using the contact areas, might be using the breath. Gently gathering, collecting, grounding the awareness in the body. Feeling the stability and the steadiness. It's available, awareness in the body. So feeling the openness, the spaciousness, the expansiveness of awareness, inviting it to both soften and open. Letting it expand through the whole body and out beyond the body.
Letting the awareness open wide and vast. Sometimes we can use the sounds in the environment to open out the awareness. So resting in this vastness of awareness, this knowing of experience. The sounds being known as they pass through the vastness. The body being known as it appears within the vastness. We'll just take a few minutes to feel this vastness of awareness. We'll keep most likely need to keep opening it out, stretching it out. Anything that arises appearing in this vastness of awareness. and welcomed to appear. And to be. And to go in its time. And we come back. Again and again we rest our attention and intention. in this sense of vastness, of spaciousness, of awareness. Not holding on to anything.
keeping the awareness wide and spacious, vast and open. And expansive. Resting into this non-demand of receiving the sounds or the body sense as they arise. Welcoming it all to appear to stay and to go in its time. If you find phrases helpful, just explore dropping in one of these phrases that I'm going to offer. Or of course your own. May I find ease in the midst of it all. May I be undisturbed by the comings and goings of events. That's helpful then, using, dropping in the phrases. If it's more helpful, just staying with the vastness, whatever's working for you. Awareness wide and vast and open.
sounds in body life appearing, staying, and going in their time. All held in the vastness of awareness. Be undisturbed by the comings and goings of events. May I find ease in the midst of it all. seeing if it's possible to invite into awareness someone that you care about might be a little, might be a lot what we usually refer to as the easy relationship Opening the awareness to invite someone like that in. When they appear, having a sense of their presence might be that image or just a feeling of them here with you, present with you. Holding that personal being in awareness. And bringing forth the cultivation of equanimity. For them, in them and in yourself. May you be undisturbed by the comings and goings of events. 
May you find ease in the midst of it all. I care for you, but I cannot keep you from suffering. It be helpful to just work with one phrase or two. And if the phrases are not helpful for you, just holding the sense of this being in this vastness of awareness. Letting them be held in the vastness and permeated with the vastness. Inviting them to, to know this vastness of awareness. Holding each moment, each appearance, each event. May you find ease in the midst of it all. May you be undisturbed by the comings and goings of events. I care for you. I cannot keep you from suffering. And gently expanding the awareness to include all of us practicing here.
feeling that vastness in which all of our experiences, all of the events of our body, heart and mind appear and disappear. Holding it all in awareness. May we be undisturbed by the comings and goings of events. May we find ease in the midst of it all. Letting that vastness, expansiveness, steadiness, unshakable tenderness, let it radiate out into the world, holding this whole planet with all its beings and life forms. In equanimity and tenderness. May we all find ease in the midst of it all. May we all find ease with the comings and goings of life. So a few suggestions on how to bring this practice into the walking. Um, one is to continue as we've been doing with the metta, compassion, mudita, the different ways, the beings, the phrases, um, imagining the being that you're kind of sending equanimity to in front of you, next to you, and can be adapted to that way of practicing. A couple of other ways that we could practice with this in the walking, one is to really use this vastness of awareness also in walking, so kind of letting um, the awareness, and it can be helpful to stand for this initially, letting the awareness expand and go really vast, having a sense of the vastness of awareness, um, and then you can either stay externally with that, receiving sounds, yeah, um, sights, yeah, uh, air, yeah, movement. Um, you can also actually have the sense of the movement of the body within this vast awareness yeah, as well. Yeah, so that can also be um, 
a way that we uh, that we practice. And I'm going to give you one more option, <laughs> and just go with one for today. Uh, but just so that you know that there's also more possibilities, um, and that you can also hopefully find something that works for you. Um, is as you're doing the walking practice, uh, just feeling your footsteps, yeah, as footsteps of peace. Yeah, so equanimity is also a very deep peace. We can feel our footsteps as footsteps, as steps of peacefulness on the earth. Or another way we can say that, what would it be to walk, you know, in peace, as peace? Or what would it be to walk without demand? Really interesting to just kind of have that sense of the footsteps on the earth without demanding anything. With peace. So, um, yeah, that's the suggestions for the walking, and hopefully, you can feel what a rich uh, arena that is. And uh, feel free to explore it. So, if you wish, uh, we can move into walking straight away, or if you'd like, we'll have a question and response uh, session here in the hall. So we'll just take a moment for that uh, transition to happen for those who want to leave and go for walking practice to do that. And then we'll open up for questions. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.